Well, once again, good morning to Milton Bible Church online. One church family in many homes. It's great to be together, and I'm so glad that you're here and a part of what we're uh, doing as we study God's Word and as we worship Him together. And uh, I just pray that uh, during these days of lockdown and during these days of feeling sometimes alienated or isolated, uh, that, that you will feel like you're part of a family, the family of God going forward together in Christ. And let me just say once again, if there's any need that you have, you know, reach out and we'll certainly do all that we can um, to, to, to accommodate and to be a part of the solution what's happening in each other's lives. So let's just come together and let's uh, do all that we can to love on one another during these days. Well, we're continuing our series called The Other Side of Easter, Living in the Victory of the Cross. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at, uh, first of all, the grace of God, what it means to live in the grace of God, uh, uh, the victory of the cross that Christ has bestowed upon us. Of course, God's grace means um, the love of God that we don't deserve. And uh, it's, it was just a celebration of that. Secondly, last week, we looked at the atonement. What did God actually accomplish on the cross? And what does that mean to us in our everyday life? Well, today, we're going to look at what uh, God accomplished on the cross and what that means for us as a church. Last week, we looked at what it meant to us as individuals. Now we want to look at what does living on the other side of Easter, living in the victory of the cross, look like as a community. First of all, we looked at God's, our relationship with him, one new relationship with God. Now we want to look at one new community in God. And so if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter, th chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 13 to 22. So once again, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 22, either on your devices or if you have uh, a Bible, you know, and keep that open. Um, in this passage today, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus because he really wants them to know what it means to live on the other side of Easter. So he lays out for them, first of all, what Christ has done on the cross and what that should mean to them as a community of faith, as a people of God. And we want to be clear on this. We want to be clear because God has a vision for your life. God has a passion for your heart. God has a place for you in his community, in his kingdom, in the thing that he is building. And he wants us to be really clear about that. Because I think sometimes we can get really muddy and really get individualistic and really get selfish and really get disoriented and confused. And we lack clarity as to what it means to really live on the other side of the cross, live in the victory of what Christ has done for us. So we want to be clear, not like these churches in times past. I'm going to read you some church notices or, or announcements that have ended up in church publications over the years. Here's what some churches have written. They get kind of confusing. First of all, Thursday night is potluck supper. Prayer and medication will follow. Another notice, 
Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. Third one, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Here's another. The rosebud on the altar this morning is to announce the birth of David Allen Beltzer, the sin of Reverend and Mrs. Julius Beltzer. Here's a fifth one. This afternoon will be, there will be a meeting in the north and south ends of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. Sixth, uh, sixth announcement. Tuesday at 4 p.m. there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk will please come early. Here's another one. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mr. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. Here's one more. The ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind. This can be seen in the church basement Saturday. Here's one of my favorites. A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. And lastly, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. Okay, that's not the Milton Bible Church choir, Rachel Langford. We love our choir and we um, would not describe it in that way. But, we, but, but in churches and sometimes even in our thinking, we can lack clarity on why we're doing what we're doing and how we're doing it. So in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he wants them to be crystal clear. This is what the cross means. And this is how you should live in light of the great salvation that you have in Jesus. So today, we're going to look on the other side of Easter. Unlike those church publications, we want to be clear on what it means to live in the victory of the cross. So what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 22, first of all, he lays out what Christ did, and secondly, he applies what does that mean to us in our everyday life. So let's take a look and see uh, what Christ has done for us in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 13 to 16. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16, this is what it says. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, in this short paragraph, there are seven verbs. But what I want to do, just to uh, make our time, uh, be respectful of our time, I want to look at the three main verbs that the Apostle Paul is dealing with here, and the three main thoughts and those three main verbs that he uses are the verbs abolish, 
the verb create and the verb reconcile. Those are the three main thoughts coming out of this passage. So let's take first a look at the word abolish. Abolish, in the first part of verse 15, it says that Jesus abolished the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances. Now you might ask yourself, well, didn't Jesus say that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it in the Sermon on the Mount? And so some critics might say, well, hey, there's another contradiction in the Bible, can't be trusted. But if you dig a little deeper and you do a little more scholarly work, you begin to understand that that is that, that what Paul and Jesus are talking about are two very different things. In fact, the verbs that are used um, in the original language are two very different verbs. But also, uh, they're talking about two very different things. When Paul is talking here, he's talking about the law expressed in ordinances, which is a ceremonial or ritual part of the law. And these are the things like the teachings that, you know, one must be circumcised in order to become a Christian, or else one first must become Jewish in order for them to become a Christian. And what Paul's saying is that Christ abolished these things that stood in the way of people expressing faith in Christ and coming close to the heart of God. You see, salvation is by faith in Christ. And what he's saying is you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to obey the dietary regulations, the sacrificial system, all the ceremonial regulations are done away with in Christ. Now, the moral law is still binding. And what is binding upon us in, is in our behavior. But it is not a prerequisite or a condition of salvation. Salvation does not occur through obedience to the law, but through faith in Christ. The law which once divided the races has been set aside as a way of salvation. And I want you to notice what is said just before this statement. In verse 14, he says, For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now you have to understand what the dividing wall of hostility is that he's referring to here. You see, the dividing wall of hostility refers to a literal wall that was at the temple, uh, pre, in the temple precincts in Jerusalem. You see, there was something called the court of the Gentiles. And in the court of the Gentiles, the, court, the people who were not Jewish could come to the court of the Gentiles and they could gather there, but they could not come into the temple proper because they were not Jewish. So in other words, they could get close, but not close, <laughs> close up. The temple represented the presence of God on earth. And so what happened was, unless you were Jewish, you could not come close to the presence of God. And so you could instead come to the court of the Gentiles. And around the court of the Gentiles, there was a literal wall, which was three and a half feet tall. And that three and a half foot tall was where the Gentiles could come. They could watch, but they couldn't come close. And what Paul is saying is like, listen, man, Christ in his body 
has destroyed that three and a half foot wall that divided the Jew and Gentile from coming close and being together in the presence of God. Mary and I, one of the things that we enjoy is uh, on occasion we enjoy these renovation shows. You know, there's thousands of them on TV, it seems, anymore. And uh, we enjoy watching our renovation shows. You know, a renovation show like Backyard Builds. It's a good Canadian show. It features, you know, neighborhoods in the GTA. It's, it's kind of great as they renovate a backyard. Also, another one that uh, we seem to watch is one called Hometown from Mississippi. Uh, just great uh, renovations that go on. And uh, there, it seems that, now I could be wrong, talk to a renovator, but it seems that there's one day that they love more than any other day in the renovation process. And do you know what that one day is? Demolition day. Demolition day, where they walk into a house and they carry their sledgehammers and they've got their, you know, their hammers and they've got their bulldozers that they drive in. And what did they do? They just smashed to bits everything that's coming out so that they might create something brand new and beautiful. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here, that on the cross... Jesus Christ has taken a sledgehammer through his death to the dividing wall of hostility, the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile so that it no longer exists and the two of them can be one in the presence of God. It's a fantastic picture. Listen, I cannot emphasize enough God's heart and God's desire for a oneness in people's lives, a oneness in a new man in Christ, a oneness in a new humanity. So much so that it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says this, For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Christ has done is he's just demolished anything that would keep his people apart from one another or to keep his people apart from him. So the first word we see is the word abolish. The second one is the word create. And what Paul does, he moves from the negative to the positive. Here's something that's new. The former hostility and division has been replaced with the unity of those who've come together through faith in Christ. So what happens is two women from different nations, different languages, different cultures, they both come to the foot of the cross. They kneel at the foot of the cross. They believe that Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross, has taken their sin before a holy father and has paid the penalty for all that that sin would incur. And they place their faith, their belief in Jesus, and they receive him as Lord and Savior. And when they both, these two women who come from different places, different times, 
<laughs> different cultures, when they get up from their knees, they're now one in Christ. They're now sisters in Christ. That's the picture of what it means to, what, what Christ is doing in creating something new. And if you've never trusted Christ as your savior, that is the place to begin. If you're exploring church, what does this mean? How does this work? Why do these people like each other so much? Why are they so generous you know, in their giving, in their time, in their energy, in, the, in, in what they do for those around them? I'll tell you, that's the place it begins. That's where hearts are changed. That's where priorities are reordered, is at the cross of Christ. Abolish, create, and the last word is reconcile. Verse 16 says that he reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now what this means is that Christ through his body destroyed the hostility between peoples and between nations. And that doesn't mean that that the entire human race is now at peace and is reconciled. That's not what that means. It means that all those who are in Christ are now reconciled to God and they're reconciled to one another. That is why Christ goes on to immediately say that he came to preach peace. First, he made peace on the cross and then after he was risen from the dead, he preached peace. He preached peace. And let me tell you, that is the focus of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That is what it says in verses 17 and 18. Let, let me just read it to you. Verses 17 and 18 say this. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, that is through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I love this, those couple of verses, and I've kind of taken the extra time in my sermon to, to, to highlight them because I think it captures the Trinitarian heart of the Father, Son, and Spirit to reconcile all humanity to them, to them, to the Godhead, to the three in one, and the and to one another. That it is the work of the Father, Son, and Spirit, the entire Trinity, and the power of the Trinity, and the, and the heart of the Trinity, and the, the activity of the Trinity to reconcile all people to God. These verses are a wonderful expression of the heart of God in salvation. Here we see the Trinity at work, and here we hear the voice of Christ preaching. And what did he preach? Peace. He preached peace. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the very first words were that the risen Christ spoke to his disciples when he saw them the first time? Do you know the very first words Christ spoke after the resurrection to his disciples when he met them? The very first words. Peace be to you. And then when he saw them again, peace be with you. He extended peace. He proclaimed peace. The first preach message 
greeting, uh, uh, interaction with the risen Christ is peace. Peace. Do you know when Jesus was training his disciples to go out and proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to heal everyone who had a need to be healed. Do you know what he said to them? He said, when you enter a house, say these words, peace be to this house. Find that person of peace who would receive God's peace, your words of peace, and stay with them. I'll tell you something, whenever we're preaching peace, Whenever we're making peace, whenever we're declaring peace, it is Christ that is preaching peace through us. And may you lead conversations with peace. May your first words about Christ be about peace. May the first thing that you want to extend to people as you declare the love of God, whether it's to your neighbors or to your family or to anyone you meet, May it be peace. May it be peace. This is the mission of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the mission of the Trinity. You know, one of the statements I love in our church life is our Milton Bible Church mission statement. It's very Trinitarian, and it's very organized around the proclamation of the love of God. Listen to it. Listen to it. Let's put, we're going to put it on the screen. It says this, Milton Bible Church is a Christ-centered family dedicated to impacting Milton, Canada, and the nations with the love of the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are on mission together with the triune God of grace. What have we got? We've got Christ. We've got the Father. We've got the Spirit. And we're asking for the love of God, the peace of God to go forward and make an impact, not only in Milton, but in Canada and in the nations. That's the heart of our church. That's our mission. That's the expression. I love the fact that this Trinitarian statement is so focused in such a way. It's so missional. It's got the heart of God attached to it. And the heart of God is a powerful thing. The love of God is a powerful thing. The peace of Christ is a powerful thing. The work of Christ on the cross to abolish, demolish the wall of hostility to create one new humanity in Christ and to reconcile us one to another in God. No matter where we're from, what language we originally spoke, what, what our, our dynamics and our background you know, might have been at one time. That is the heart of God and it is a powerful thing. You know, it's kind of like the Peanuts cartoon where um, <clears throat> Lucy walks into uh, the living room and Linus is watching TV. And she turns to Linus and she says, get up and turn the channel. And Linus says, why should you have the right to come into my room, to come into this room while I'm watching TV and tell me to turn the channel? And she says, I'll give you five reasons. They're right here. She said, you see these five fingers? When you look at them on their own, there's not much to look at. But when they come together to work together, they are a terror to behold. And Linus said, 
What channel do you want to watch? And then he looked at his own fingers and he said, why can't you guys get organized like that? The Father, Son, and Spirit at work in the life of Christ to bring salvation, reconciliation, abolishing uh, that which stands in the way of us coming to know him. This is what Christ has done. This is what Christ has done. And let me just say this in a way of application. If this is what Christ has done, Father, Son, and Spirit, may we not be people who put barriers between us and others. How many times do we create barriers between us and other Christians where God has created one new man in Christ, we seem to want to create many divisions in Christ. We have denominational divisions. Do you know that even in uh, North America, there are over 400 different kinds of Baptists. And worldwide, there are over 2,000 different kinds of Baptist churches. That's just Baptists. We love to create denominations, Pentecostal, Anglican, you know, um, Presbyterian, uh, brethren, united, all kinds of different. It's, it's a crazy thing. And we say, well, we're elder-led, we're congregational-led, we're charismatic, we're cessationist, you know, we're post-millennial, we're pre-millennial, we're all-millennial, we're, you know, pan-millennial, we think it'll all pan out in the end. You know, we, we seem to love creating labels, don't we? We seem to love putting up barriers. We seem to love making things so that instead of working together and coming together and being together, you know, for some reason, you know, we love to put these walls up. Let me understand this. God builds bridges, not walls. He builds bridges, not walls so that people might come together to express their oneness in Christ. And we need to be bridge builders too. That's what Christ did on the cross. Now let's take a look very practically at what it should mean in our life, how to live out that victory that he secured on the cross in our everyday life. You probably know where I'm going. He paints a vision three different ways. He uses three different pictures to paint a vision of what that should mean in our everyday life. It's in, found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Let me read it. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now what happens here is there's three different pictures that are being presented because of the work of Christ on the cross to abolish, create, and reconcile, we now have a new community in God. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, things have changed. 
You are no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer apart. You're no longer far away, but instead you've been brought close to the heart of God and you've been brought close to one another. And this is expressed in three ways. The first picture here is a picture of God's kingdom. Verse 19 says this, for you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are fellow citizens with the saints. And he's talking about God's kingdom, one new nation. Now Paul is saying, listen, you now have a new citizenship. You are in a new kingdom. You have a new king and his name is Jesus. It's a kingdom of righteousness and peace. The second picture is one of God's family. Verse 19 says that you are members of the household of God. We go from one nation to one family, a more intimate expression than that of a kingdom. You belong to God. Do you know what? To know God as your king is one thing, but to know God as your father is something entirely different. To know God as a citizen is one thing, but to know God as his child is quite another. To be a citizen, to be a, to be a child, what the author is saying is, understand this, we are the children of God. We are brothers and sisters, and that's why we call the church a family. And that's why when we talk about NBC Church Online, we talk about, um, uh, we talk about uh, the church family in many homes. Because that is a picture that is presented in the scriptures so clearly that the church is a family. And then the third picture that's presented here is God's temple. God's temple, one dwelling place for God. Verse 21 says, being joined together grows into, uh, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You see, God's people is where God lives the foundation of which is the apostles and prophets, those who bring fundamental teaching to lay foundations in the church in order to ensure the centrality of Christ is present in everything that is taught and in everything that happens. Those who are uniquely gifted and inspired to lay the foundation of church life, those who Jesus has appointed to bring the teaching to this teaching to the church. That's the apostolic and the prophetic, of which the teaching is that Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. And the Christians of the church are the building stones of the church. And when a person comes to faith in Christ, they're added to that. They're another brick. They're another block. They're another part of the building that Christ is building, which is a holy temple. Not a physical temple made with human hands, but a temple made by his spirit. The temple where God lives in his people. That's why it says in verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. And the purpose of this temple, this dwelling place of God, is to accommodate the living God himself. 
That's why when we come together and we sing, you know, the scripture says that God inhabits the praise of his people. There's something uh, supernatural that happens when God's people come together and they worship together and they sing together. Why? Because God's people are the dwelling place of God. And when God's people are singing from that dwelling place in which God lives, in the presence of God, supernatural things happen. And God manifests himself in incredible ways. That's why gathering as God's people is so important. That's why these lockdowns hurt so much. This great building is also the universal church of God. It's multicultural. It's multiracial. It's multigenerational. It crosses geographical divides. And God does not live in a dwelling place made with human hands, as I said, but within each one of us. Where we are present, the presence of God is. And God has brought those from afar, those who were once alienated from him and from each other, and he has brought us and reconciled us through the cross to become one nation, one family, one dwelling place where God lives, a new humanity in Christ. Listen, I don't think there could be a greater vision for the church. I don't think there can be a greater vision than the vision that is proclaimed here that comes from heaven. I don't think that there is a greater vision than the one that God has for his people. A new humanity where the values we hold are unity, equality, and peace. See, God's vision is for a single kingdom in which he rules. It's, a, it's for a single family for which he cares. And it's about a single dwelling in which he lives. That's the vision. So let me ask you, I just want to wrap this up and make some closing comments. Let me ask you something. What are the barriers that need to be broken down? What are the things that need to be changed? What are, what are the priorities that you have that need to be re reoriented so that you can catch this vision, be gathered up in it, and be a part of what Christ has done in, in the victory of the cross and live inside the vision of one new humanity, one people going forward as family together, brothers and sisters loving on one another, being a part of each other's lives, moving forward in Christ. I'll tell you, what, like, what... what like, why is it that we create so many divisions and so many barriers? You know, even as I speak here, there's probably somebody mad at me somewhere. You know, hard to believe that I would actually cause offense to anyone. You know, I must be the least offensive person in the world. Uh, which I know is not true. But, I mean, what is the reason that you're not coming to church? What is the reason that you're not getting involved with God's people and accomplishing the vision that God has called us to accomplish, preaching peace to all humanity. I mean, what's, 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 what's the deal? What's the deal? Why is it that we create barriers? Why is it that we can't seem to agree on so many things? Why is it that there's so much tension between groups racially? What between groups economically, between uh, groups 
that, that this, you know, this group does this and this people do that and, 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 and we can't seem to, to get together. But let me just bring it right down, you know, to, to bare facts. You know, re- just recently, um, I, read, I read through all of the Milton Bible Church Care Campaign report that was submitted to me by uh, Matt Timpson, who, who's the head of pastoral care. And I went through these reports, item by item, person by person, because I want to be a good shepherd. I want to know what's happening in people's lives. And I'm reading reports where people are saying, hey, I connected with this person. We prayed together. This is, you know, some of the issues that they're, they're facing. You know, uh, none of these details are, you know, they're confidential, so they're not in-depth. But, you know, they might say family issues or they might say, you know, economic issues or whatever it is. And it was just a time to rejoice where people are being cared for, people are being loved on, people are being connected, people are being contacted. And it's like, you know what? You go, God. You go. I mean, this is so exciting. But there was also the other half where it was maybe one line, yes, so-and-so has contacted that person, but there's nothing there, so maybe what did they do? Send them an email? You know? There was no, there, there was not, no, no kind of report. Um, or else there were sometimes, you know, you know, I phoned that person five times, but they haven't phoned me back. Or I phoned that person and they didn't have time to talk because they're so busy with work or they're so busy with this or so busy with that. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? Where's the oneness? Where's the heart of God? Where's the vision of family, one nation, one, fa- one, one household? You know, one people together in God. And I'm thinking to myself, how many people in this church really get this? Really have captured the heart of God in this? Really have captured the vision of the triune God of grace to reach out with the love of God and be that people together that God has called them to be? And I'm just saying, you know, come on, church. Let's be that people. Let's be captured by this vision. Let's be the household of God that God has called us to be. Because of what he has done on the cross, by abolishing the wall of hostility, by creating one new man in Christ, and by reconciling us to the Father and making us his children. During this pandemic, Let's go the extra mile. Let's have a heart that says, I'm going to capture the heart of God. Even if I don't know this person that's phoning, I'm going to chat with them. And share what you're comfortable sharing. But I'm going to receive them in the name of Christ as he would have me receive them. I think this is where it starts that we love on one another. And then we turn and we love on our community. You know, this morning I just got off a a, a Zoom call just before recording this. Um, I just got off a, a call with other pastors in the community because many of us got together and we did these Holy Week services and we all submitted something and we all, we all submitted a talk, a worship, 
uh, a few minutes meditation in which we could come together as the people of God, cross-denominationally, cross-culturally, in which we're just declaring the greatness of God and what he has done uh, on Easter weekend through the cross. And you know, we're asking, okay, what's next? What's next? How can we model this for our community? How can we model this for our churches? And so let me just tell you, there's something coming. I'm not gonna tell you what, but there's something coming in which we are going to model and be and work together and declare peace as one body cross-denominationally through in, into our town, into our city, where we celebrate the victory of the cross and we live it out and we demonstrate it with the vision that the triune God of grace has for us as his people. I mean, these are exciting days. These are wonderful opportunities. Let's grab a hold of these and let's go with God. Let's catch his heart, his vision, and let's move forward together in Christ. Not in isolation, not alienated from one another, from one another, not building up walls, but knocking them down and building bridges and coming together and loving on one another in the name of Jesus and loving our community in the name of Christ, preaching peace to all we greet and all we know. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. First of all, Jesus, I just want to thank you that you are the great peacemaker who turned our alienation into peace, that once we were far off, but you brought us near through the sacrifice of the cross. I want to thank you for your kingdom, your family, and your temple in which you dwell. I want to thank you, Lord, that you inhabit the people of God and that you are building a spiritual temple, a people of God who love you and who love one another. Why? Because it's within your people that your presence dwells by your Holy Spirit. And I want to thank you that that is who you are and that is what you've done and that is who we are in Christ. And I want to thank you for the church, for this new humanity, this new society, and may we be committed to the vision of God. May we be committed to the beauty and the splendor that is the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, the family of God that you have made to display your glory. And so we thank you and we praise you and we look forward to what you will do as we catch a glimpse of what it means to live in the victory of the cross. May you bless this word to our lives and to your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Milton Bible Church Online, one church family in many homes. 
And uh, let's just continue to celebrate uh, what it means to live in the victory of the cross. I so look forward to the time when we will gather uh, as brothers and sisters, one another. And uh, in, in the meantime, let's stay connected. Let's stay in touch. Let's keep caring for each other, loving on each other. And uh, let's keep loving our, the world around us. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great day.